0: Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. And welcome back to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker, And the big showdown over raising the debt limit has officially begun uh, because the Treasury announced this past week that they did hit the debt limit of thirty one point four trillion dollars and has to they have to begin taking what they call extraordinary measures to keep themselves under the limit which might buy them a few months' time, maybe till the summer, we think. But the big showdown is then coming, and both parties are at loggerheads here over what to do about it. We want to talk about that, how this might play out, whether it's possible to lift a logjam here. Uh, And joining me to do that is our senior budget writer, Paul Krozak. Thanks for being here, Paul.
1: Yeah, thank you for inviting me.
0: And our very skilled appropriations reporter who covers a lot of the politics around appropriations, Lindsay McPherson. Thank you for being here, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. And then after the debt limit, we want to talk about also where we are on appropriations in terms of the defense budget, because there's been a lot of talk about Republicans wanting to cut back spending this coming year to fiscal 2022 levels which takes a big whack out of discretionary spending, but there's a lot of unease among Republicans for what that might mean to the, for the defense budget. And we have joining us for the first time on the Budget Podcast, Caroline Coudrier, who has written about whether these defense cuts might happen. Thanks for being here, Caroline.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: So we'll get to that in a minute. But first, the overriding issue here on the debt limit, Paul, we are now in the, in this in these so-called extraordinary measures to buy us a little more time. Uh, tell us exactly what Treasury announced on that and how, how does that work?
1: Well, these extraordinary measures which Treasury uh, began uh, uh, Thursday are bookkeeping maneuvers which temporarily provide additional room. Mm-hmm for the uh for the treasury to borrow and continue paying bills with the money borrowed and also with the tax receipts that come in so the so the debt had bumped up against the the debt limit as you said so what they did to create some additional space for borrowing is they suspended investments into a couple of um government funds uh, one is a retirement and disability fund, which funds uh, the retirement of uh, federal employees. And another is a postal service health benefits fund, which helps fund the health care plans of uh, post office retirees. So um, by suspending the investments into those funds, um, it reduces the amount of debt and allows the government to continue to borrow for some number of months. We don't know exactly how long.
0: And the big question there, Paul, is when is the X date when they just run out of room and the debt ceiling has to be lifted?
1: So Treasury Secretary Yellen said that these extraordinary measures should last until at least June, for sure, almost for sure, and unclear how long they would last beyond that? Um, independent analysts are estimating that um, they could possibly run out in June, but they might last um, into July, um, or possibly even a little bit later, in, into the summer. Um, it, it's um, it's impossible to predict exactly because you don't know exactly. What level of receipts are going to come into the government, and what the level of spending is going to be? Um, and in addition, you know, we're looking at a possible recession coming later in the year, and that could affect both spending um, and tax revenue.
0: Yeah. So we think by sometime this summer they're going to need to take action, and this is politically one of the hardest things Congress faces. They have to do this. Every couple years anyway, they did it three times in the Trump administration much more easily because it was Republican in the White House and Republicans weren't protesting. But when there's a Democrat in the White House, this becomes a real signature rallying cry for Republicans uh, who are eager to exert their leverage on raising the debt limit to extract spending cuts, some kind of concessions. Democrats are, are, both parties are bearing down, but Democrats say, no way, we're not going to negotiate again. We've been down that road before. We nearly, you know, we suffered a huge loss of credit rating back in 2011. Who wants to go through that again and and upset all the financial markets and, and you know, trigger a recession? Republicans say, no, this is the time to act. We have to, we have to get spending under control. Lindsay, how does this play out? And is there any is there any silver lining here where, the, where where both sides can reach any kind of compromise?
3: Well, at the moment, there is this stalemate. Um, basically, as you described, Republicans are pretty insistent that they won't agree to a clean debt limit increase, that there has to be some kind of spending cuts or reforms attached to that. They haven't made a specific ask yet. It's early in the process, but Speaker McCarthy has said he when he spoke with president Biden who called him, you know, to congratulate him after he won his speaker's election that he offered, you know, to sit down and start negotiating early, but Biden's position and the white house position has been that they're not going to negotiate. So if they're not even willing to sit down and have a conversation um, you know, (laughs) that's a problem. Uh, But See how that plays out. If that's a tenable position, certainly it probably won't prove to be, but how long they kind of both stay in these camps, you know, if it gets closer and closer to the summer deadline where they haven't even started talking about it, that becomes a problem.
0: But you wrote about what I think was an interesting little little glimmer of compromise because as even as democratic leaders are insisting no negotiations, their their key swing centrist member, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, is again touted pushing for for a bipartisan deal on this. And he had sort of an interesting proposal.
3: It's definitely an interesting idea. What Manchin wants, I mean, I don't know that this is his only ask, but he said he spoke to Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, about this um, bill that he and Romney have had for a while – that's called the Trust Act. It basically would set up what they call rescue committees for each endangered trust fund, like social security and Medicare, even the highway trust fund and have the rescue committees, which would be a panel of 12 lawmakers, three each appointed by each of the four congressional leaders get together and have 180 days to come up with proposals for rescuing and ensuring long-term solvency of those trust funds. And then under their bill, which is what to set up these rescue committees, which is what Manchin is proposing to attach to the debt limit. The if they those committees produce legislation, they would have um, expedited consideration in the House and the Senate. But if that legislation would still be subject to 60 votes in the Senate and you'd still need a large agreement to get those changes enacted. So it's an interesting idea. There's bipartisan support for this trust act, but the problem for Republicans agreeing to that is there's no guarantee that by setting up those rescue committees that the the changes they would come up with would never be enacted into law. And I think Republicans, at least at this point, are looking for something a little more solid in terms of like guarantees that spending cuts will be enacted.
0: Yeah, that was the key question I was wondering about, is if you just hold out there this idea of forming committees to sort of recommend ways to save social security and Medicare, you know, sounds nice, but in the end, that in itself doesn't guarantee any spending cuts and Republicans are eager for spending cuts. So does that really satisfy Republicans? I'm betting the answer to that is no, and they're going to seek something more than what Manchin, what Mansion is asking for here.
3: Right. I think, that's right. That's my assessment is that that's not going to be enough for Republicans. And what they seem most interested in is some kind of discretionary spending cap. McCarthy's kind of hinted at that, that that's been a party part of negotiations in the past. Um, obviously, there was the whole 2011 debt ceiling debate that led to the Budget Control Act sequestration Um Paul can get you more details on that, but basically subsequent deals where they adjusted those caps, you know, mostly went up, but McCarthy is obviously looking for a cap that would be lower than the levels just enacted in the fiscal 23 omnibus. So that seems to be what they they haven't formally asked for that yet, but based on their public statements, I think that's kind of one of the things they're most interested in or either setting that or setting up a process that would ensure they have to pass individual spending bills and avoid an omnibus and some kind of mechanism to ensure the Senate can't just do an omnibus again at, and jam the House.
0: I mean, the parallel here would be 2011 when when under Obama they agreed to raise the debt limit. They did agree to a decade's worth of these discretionary spending cuts that we had been living under for 10 years where where discretionary spending levels were capped and then periodically raised as you point out Lindsay it wasn't they didn't hold to it entirely but they did reach that agreement that enabled the debt limit to be raised and i think ever since then democrats have have really bristled at, at those kind of negotiations cuz they didn't like they didn't like those budget constraints paul you've been covering this a long time i mean do you think that's what it's going to take is is another another deal like 2011 where we have Another round of these discretionary spending cuts uh, enacted in order to get this done. Well, I think
1: anything's possible, but I, I think I think the odds are against any kind of significant agreement to to cut spending. Um, now, I mean, I do think that I, I think Republican control of the House is going to result in lower spending bills than you would have if Democrats retained control of the house, because, I mean, there's going to be this Republican push for lower spending. And so you're going to have a Republican house controlled house negotiating with a, you know, democratic controlled Senate.
0: Sure. But what is it, but how do, how do you get to the debt limit deal? That's the question.
1: Right, right. So, um, going back to the debt limit. Um, so, um, you know, you go back, you look back at 2011 and, you know, there was a larger Republican majority in in the House that was negotiating. And you all, you also had, you know, you had the Tea Party wave as well. So you had a lot of momentum back in 2011 to, to reach a deal on the debt limit. I mean, but like, you know, this time you have just a very narrow Republican majority in the House and you don't have the kind of momentum that you had in 2011. So, um, I mean, it, it, it's hard for me to. Imagine Senate Democrats and the Biden White House accepting any kind of spending limits that would satisfy House Republicans. So, I mean, I I think what's most likely is that, you know, there will be this battle and it will probably go right up until the end. And then I think some kind of deal will probably be brokered in the Senate between McConnell um, and Schumer. And I think it'll probably end up being a fairly clean debt limit increase. But I mean, you know, if Republicans, if Republicans in the House can really unite around something and push it, then I think there's more of a possibility of some kind of condition being negotiated. But I mean, I think it's not clear to me that House Republicans will be able to you know, unite around something that satisfies all of them. I mean, they can only lose four votes. And yeah. still get vote.
3: Well, there is one idea out there, to Paul's point, I want to piggyback on that, um, that I've heard that I think they potentially could unite around. So Scott Perry, who's the Freedom Caucus chairman, um, who helped negotiate like this kind of deal with McCarthy, where he committed to limit their House bills to fiscal 22 levels. And of a fight on the debt ceiling, mention one option is to attach a CR to the debt limit increase. and what, what Republicans ideally want is a CR that would kind of cut a little bit, maybe 1% off of the fiscal 22 levels. But if they ta- pass that with a debt limit increase in the summer when the government funding deadline comes through and at the end of September, then there would take that would take away the shutdown threat so that they can negotiate over spending without the threat of a shutdown. Well, CR,
0: CR is shorthand for a stopgap funding measure to just keep the government running. Right. Uh, so
3: the, the idea there being that the real fight is going to come over these spending bills. And if you have uh, a stopgap in place, there's no sh- shutdown threat. And then Republicans can play a little bit more hardball in the spending negotiations without anyone being accused of shutting down the government. So I think that is one idea they could potentially get behind. And then basically it would punt the larger fight over the spending cuts into the appropriations process. By attaching a CR to the debt limit. I, and I don't know that, that that's just one idea out there. It's certainly not something they've like necessarily made as an ask or it might, but I think it could be more unifying than a budget cap, for example. That's
0: an interesting idea. And it, but although it would mean Republicans give up on insisting on spending cuts as part of a debt limit deal, but. Um, right. But the,
3: the idea being that they would have more leverage then to negotiate that in.
0: Later. Later.
3: Yeah, exactly. But I'm not and I'm not sure that, that like some of the conservatives would feel like that alone is enough. It's just but to hear it from the Freedom Caucus chairman, I don't know that he was saying that would have to be the only thing. But um, it was interesting. And and I could see that coming into play because a that, big be part of what they want to do is avoid another omnibus.
0: All right. A lot to chew on there, but it's going to take months to play out. It looks like we're going to have a big battle probably this summer. Uh, and we'll see what happens. But um, both sides are digging in right now, and we'll certainly keep you posted on where things are with the debt limit, because that really is, I think, the defining fiscal battle of this year with the new House Republican majority. Meanwhile, they also have to do regular appropriations, and the new House Republican majority is insisting on some steep spending cuts. McCarthy- in order to become speaker did promise that he would he promised his own caucus that he would he would cut spending to fiscal twenty twenty two levels that takes about an eight percent whack out of discretionary spending and if you were to do it sort of across the board proportionately uh the Pentagon gets a big hit of a of about seventy five billion dollars roughly ten percent ten percent cut i think to their to their defense budget. Caroline, you've written about this recently. Do Republicans really want a 10% cut to the Pentagon?
2: There's definitely been a lot of anxiety over that because, like you said, if these cuts were applied equally to defense and non-defense spending, that would be a pretty significant cut to defense spending um, at a time when we have a war in Ukraine and Republicans and Democrats are both concerned about um, competing with China militarily. Um, And so, yeah, when this... um, Agreement. The nature of this agreement started to circulate. Um, one Republican, um, Tony Gonzalez of Texas, even voted against the rules package over concerns about defense spending, and moderate Democrats have expressed concerns. Um, in my reporting, I've um, sort of determined that um, the main appropriators um, involved in these talks aren't that worried about a $75 billion cut. Um, that is something that definitely could peel away some Republicans and both Democrats. Um, who who don't want to see that level of, of of defense cuts.
0: When you say they're not worried about it, you mean you mean they won't do it. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I think it, they would be very unlikely to cut defense spending by 75 billion. Um I do think what we could see is more concern from Republicans about slimming down the Pentagon budget than we've maybe seen over the past couple of years. Um, Kevin McCarthy has said that he wants to reduce quote unquote wokism in the military and cut initiatives like like green energy. Um, So I think there's a bit more talk of trimming the Pentagon budget, um, especially when it comes to areas that Republicans find politically controversial um, than there has been in recent years. Um, Ken Calvert, who is going to chair the Defense Appropriations Subcommittee, has said that he's interested in trimming Pentagon waste. But by and large, um, you know, Mike Rogers, the chair of House Armed Services, and Kay Granger, the chair of House Appropriations, um, are not treating the talk of a $75 billion cut. Um, very seriously, um, and, and, and of course, um, you know if if that doesn't, you know, if there's no appetite for a cut on that level, um, non-defense spending would have to be cut really, really significantly, and that would seem to be a non-starter with the Senate Democrats who have to vote on this on this appropriation bill. Um, so it just seems unlikely that this would actually happen in the way the
0: Republicans describe. But that is an interesting change in tone, at least, Caroline, because you know, for the past few years, Republicans have been adamant and have won hefty defense budget increases. They kept saying, look, we've got we've got to help Ukraine. They kept saying, we've got to keep up with inflation that was soaring. And so the Pentagon won these huge budget increases the past few years. And now, if someone as senior as Ken Calvert, the senior appropriator in the House here for defense, is saying- let's look at where the Pentagon is being wasteful. Uh, That's certainly a change in tone, which suggests the glory days of hefty increases are over at a minimum, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely bound to be more scrutiny of the Pentagon budget um, under Republican leadership than there has been. Um, I think it's also worth noting that um, Republican support for Ukraine and for the amount of military aid we've given to Ukraine, which is now more than $100 billion um, since the war started, Um, has not gotten as widespread of support from Republicans as it has from Democrats. Um, Senate Republicans are largely on board with it, but um, Kevin McCarthy campaigned for speaker in part promising that Ukraine funding would not have a quote unquote blank check. Um, And even in the speaker debate, when um, some of these far right members were negotiating with Speaker McCarthy, um, the amount of money and the oversight of the money that's going to Ukraine was a talking point for sure.
0: So not a $75 billion cut to defense, but maybe a little nick, at least? It's possible, but we'll have to see how this all plays out. Does that make sense to you, Paul? Is that what we're looking at?
1: Um, it, it could be a small cut to defense, or it could be just not as big of an increase to defense. Or it could be, you know, as Caroline mentioned, it could be sort of targeting certain areas of the defense budget and cutting those, and moving that money to different parts of,
0: of the budget. But Republicans do did set them up here for quite a dilemma because if they try to exempt defense, in order to meet their own pledge here, they'd have to cut non-defense by something like 20%. I mean, it just seems inconceivable that that could even happen.
1: Well, it's going to be a real challenge to write appropriations bills that incorporate those cuts that can pass even with all the Republicans in the House.
0: So, so what, so what do they do? I mean, I don't, I'm not sure how they, <laughs> how do they get out of this? Because they've created something for themselves that would seem unworkable on on its face.
1: Well, you, you know, this is, you know, politics. It's been said politics is the art of the possible. And so, I mean, a big question going forward is, you know, these these harder right. Republicans, you know, who extracted these concessions um, in return for not opposing Kevin McCarthy's speaker, can they get on board with the rest of the Republicans in the House and unite around something that can actually pass the House? Or are they going to, you know, as they say, let the perfect be the enemy of the good, right?
0: Lindsay, do you have any prediction on how this plays out? It's certainly
3: going to be a mess, like certain the conservatives in the Freedom Caucus who negotiated this deal with McCarthy, most of them who are in Congress don't vote for spending bills. So, you know, to get them to a yes on a spending bill would have to be dramatic cuts. And like Paul said, the and Caroline said, the appropriators aren't in favor of the dramatic cuts. So it's going to be a lot to try to get them on board with a four-seat margin. That's It's going to be nearly impossible. So. But if they are doing the bills individually, I think there's at least a chance of passing a few of them, you know, but harder ones, you know, like Labor HHS would need a big chunk cut out of, that's the largest um, non-defense discretionary bill. And, you know, to cut a big chunk out of that would be politically controversial and hard to pass on the floor, for example. So it's going to be difficult. It's hard to predict how it all play out at this point. But messy is a good word I'd put out there.
0: Yeah, that does seem apt. Caroline, do you think you get a Pentagon spending bill this year, or you think where does the Pentagon end up with what they hate the most, which is another continuing resolution that doesn't let them start new programs?
2: I mean, I, I certainly think anything is possible. Um, I think it looks really bad for everybody involved if they don't pass a Pentagon spending bill, um, especially when you know there's rising threats um, in in different regions. And there's a lot of concern, um, especially over China. Um, And so I would guess that they will pass something, but um, never say ever.
0: All right. Well, on that happy note, we are out of time. But thank you all for being here. Thank you, Caroline, for, for joining me. Thank you. Thank you again, Lindsay. Thanks. And thanks again, Paul. Thank you, David. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. You can read all of our coverage on the debt limit, on defense spending cuts, and a lot more at CQ.com or RollCall.com. And we'll see you next time.